Support for Pivot comes from Vanta. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated fast. Now, you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, and that platform is Vanta. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, you can save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. To learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews, watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash pivot. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash pivot to watch Vanta's on-demand demo. Support for Pivot comes from Pendo. Pendo improves the apps your customers and employees rely on. Whether you're building applications for customers or managing applications for employees, Pendo can help deliver better experiences for your users so they can get more value from your software. Visit pendo.io slash pivot to learn more about how your team can use Pendo to start building better digital experiences. There you can also check out Pendo's lineup of free certification courses, 12 hours of in-depth training for your product management teams on topics from AI to product analytics to product-led growth. That's pendo.io slash pivot to learn more. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. How are you, Kara? Good. You once again have triumphed. I cannot believe it. Not the Bill Maher thing. Amazon's expanding its telehealth program, Amazon Care, to all of its U.S. employees and other companies. We've both been talking about this, but this talk about this. This was this was the idea that Amazon, as it's done with its logistics, is start and AWS is starting to do this. You mean in 2018 when I predicted a DLD, Amazon would be the biggest healthcare company in the world, and the CTO of Amazon then took to the stage and just called me a comedian and then refused to answer any questions about Amazon's (laughs) entry into healthcare. And then Um, you're not heard about that, are you? Look, uh, what was that movie with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise where we got to see them kiss, Diary of of a Vampire? I guess. The Anne Rice novel? Sure, Um, yeah, yeah. Sure? Yeah, okay, Um, fine. Both hugely <laughs> underrated actors because they're both so hot. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, he he can't survive on rats. And finally, yeah. he has to go after humans. Yeah. And Amazon, if you look at the retail ecosystem. <laughs> I can't believe you're making this metaphor, but keep going. <laughs> it works. It, when, right. Handsome gay vampires. When it, but when it works, it works. <laughs> Um, and then a bridge to Amazon and healthcare. Yes. All uh, right. Let's 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 so uh, block look, this metaphor. But if you look at the retail uh, <laughs> ecosystem, Walmart's mm-hmm. done okay. Lululemon's done okay. There's some well-publicized examples mm-hmm. of coming. And basically, everyone has been sucked dry. Uh, yeah. Amazon has added more market capitalization than I think all of European retail is worth since mm-hmm. the pandemic. And they, bottom line is, they need a new carcass. And there just is no carcass as fat and ready as healthcare. And they have been lining up their troops at the border. It's just so obvious that Halo, their food, their acquisition of PillPack, their investment in voice. And it's both A, really exciting because this could uh, provide a level of primary healthcare Mm -hmm. access to tens if not hundreds of millions of Americans. But also, and this is why Amazon needs to be broken up. It is going to, you're going to see everyone from hims and hers, which we talked yeah. about this week, to Teladoc, to uh, the uh, healthcare insurance industry and hospital provide. You're going to see everyone start 
to shed, start to leak market capitalization to Amazon. Yeah, on a lot of things. And it, this is interesting. They're using Amazon Care, which is their in. You know, it's it's interesting because you know Slack as uh, not Slack. Slack as you know started as a, 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 a communication system within a game company and became Slack. And this is something Amazon was using its AWS system internally, and then and then made it logistics. You can also see them doing logistics that they do at factories and white 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 selling, whatever it's called. Um, white labeling them. Um, a lot of the things it's doing, this is something it's doing with its its own employees, which of which number in the million now. But the, the ultimate jujitsu move that we'll be writing case studies about for 20 years in business schools is that go line item by line item and take Amazon's biggest expenses. Their biggest mm-hmm. expenses as an online or as an e-commerce player was fulfillment. They said, I know, let's turn our biggest expense fulfillment into, into a profit, a profit center, center and start yeah. start Amazon fulfillment. What is probably their their third or fourth biggest expense? Healthcare for their workers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they said, how can we innovate around our own healthcare, test it, and then we're going to turn it into a profit center. No company has been able to take their expense line and pivot every major expense into an enormous business that drives shareholder value. Yeah, it really, it really is, is interesting. Remarkable. But let me just tell you, telehealth is, is is a dicey proposition, of course. You know, delivering pharmacy pills is one thing, which is sort of in their wheelhouse, because, uh, but, but, you know, they are dealing with their program. Um, but moving in doctors and stuff like, let me read you, this was from Dr. Jeffrey Swisher about our, di- our discussion with I him. And I have coming. to read it. He's going to, he's just driving me crazy with the text, Scott. I got to deal with it. Let me okay. just read the text that I got and I ignored completely the other night. I was literally screaming at your guest on Pivot today. He was so far in over his head. He has no idea. This isn't medicine. It is millennial band-aids. So many thoughts. First off, what self-respecting physician spends 15 minutes on video and gets compensated a fraction of some 20 to $30. What about misdiagnosis, malpractice, state's law, ethics, shilling, Viagra, and skincare is one thing, but diagnosing and treating UTIs, my head is exploding. What is the actual, what about actual sick people with diabetes, COPD, CAD? They don't exist in Teletubby medicine land. And then I sent him a winky face and I, he wrote, I'm telling you, I'm screaming at him. He got super animated talking about his fucking spec, but has no clue about medicine. Holy shit. This medical advisor was a chief doctor at Walgreens. That is the same company that is that, that greenlit uh, Theranos. So so here's wasn't. the thing. What that tells me. Okay. I, a, doctors. Dr. Swisher is pissed. More than any insight into medicine, it's entirely (laughs) clear to me that neither of you was adopted, that you are in fact related by blood. Yes, yes, indeed. When I hear that. He's good. D-Swish. D-Swish coming in. J-Swish, J-Swish. D-Swish is the doctor, the lawyer you don't want to meet, but go ahead. (laughs) Actually, I think I want to meet him. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So look, uh, but here's the thing. And I, I, you know, I love Dr. Swisher. Jeff is like kind of my new older brother who tells me yeah. when I'm wrong about yeah, three he times. He yells at you a lot on the Twitter. Yeah. I need that. I need yeah. that. Anyways, right. okay. here's the thing. If you want to get a total gripe fest, yeah. a total bitch fest, get a, get a bunch of doctors, invite a bunch of doctors over for dinner. Yes. They're anchoring <laughs> off uh, the high point when doctors 30 years ago made, had the biggest house in the neighborhood, the nicest car and played golf on Wednesdays. Yeah. And if you go into, I think of medicine as retail and the shittiest yeah. retail in America is gas stations. The second shittiest retail, I think Tesla's more a story of just getting out of gas stations and electrifying the world. But anyway, 
the 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 second worst retail is a doctor's office. I went to my urologist for my, you know, my monthly like complaint around how much I'm paying. And by the way, his internship, oh. his internship and residency really paid in Grenada really paid off. He's like, well, dude, you're 56. That's his medical <laughs> diagnosis. Every time I complain about how much I'm paying. gay vampires to your prostate, but go ahead. <laughs> Hello. We're going to get to the big story That's in a minute. Okay. A, a, All right. B, okay. All right. So, so make, land your anyways, plane here. Go so ahead. My point is, uh, there's a there's a kernel of truth in everything that Dr. Swisher is saying. Yeah. You know what? Doctors have stuck out their chin in the medical industrial complex. Think about how shitty visits to the doctor's office are. They Think are. About how bad the yes, they is. are. They are. If I went into Best Buy and asked to to get information on a on a flat screen TV, they wouldn't hand me paperwork and say fill this out for the fifteenth time. Yeah, and not even stand up, not even well, make. There eye is HIPAA. There is HIPAA. Well, that's 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 a really interesting point because probably the biggest innovation here, or the biggest catalyst for the explosion in telehealth is the pandemic bringing down a lot of regulations, which quite frankly yeah. were put up to entrench the incumbents. I think I think Dr. Swisher needs to get on board here. He I think needs he needs to join Amazon Care. The chief medical officer for, you know, something. Amazon Care. Yeah. Then he would love it. He and wanted you know, to so be. You know, he wanted to be in a tech company. All his friends went to Microsoft after well, he left Sanford. They're all Twitter. on islands. I think he's a little bit jealous. Maybe his sister could get him a job. Anyways, she... <laughs> no, he, thank you. Uh, I'm an investor in this company called 98.6, and we yeah. find a third of the people who reach out to us for primary health care. What does that do? What does 98.6 do? So 98.6. I, mean, I understand what it is, but go Primary care, remote primary care uh, sold in through the enterprise. So mm. if you're Walmart, who's a client, you spend 10 bucks per month, I think it is, per employee, and they can access primary health care over their phone. It's a series of AI-driven questions that then get you to the right specialist. And it feels what like found, Amazon Care is going to come and bat and smack you around. Or acquire us, and the dog finally gets itself streamed. <laughs> Hello. Because you know what, Kara? I'm an interesting guy but with a golf stream. I'd be fucking fascinated. I would love you if that's fascinating. Case. I would really like you a, about a hundred percent more. I'd be I fascinating mean, at point. You'd nine move from thirty three percent of my mind share to maybe sixty. There you go. At point nine, mock the dog is sexy. Yeah. Anyways, uh, what were we talking about? Vampire the doctor's pushing us for being nice to the oh, yeah, this guy. Thing, but what we find is on ninety eight point six is that a third of the people that make inquiries about whatever it is a rash or UTI or whatever yeah. it is, they're doing it while they're in a meeting. Think yeah. about think about how what a pain it is, like the emotional barriers to deciding, okay, I'm actually going to go to the doctor yeah. and being able to just flip open your phone and say, this is bothering me. Should I be worried? And then they can literally, they can prescribe you something and it can be there within an hour or two hours. Yeah. So let's, let us say to doctors, and I'm going to close out this out with the gay vampires, et cetera, um, is, is some of this is going to be complex. You'd be a vampire. That'll solve it all. Um, some of this is going to be complex with the other things, but a lot of stuff that you go to the doctor for is irritating and there's a big business opportunity there. And eventually they will get it better than doctors do because doctors, I'm sorry to say, are very difficult to use as a product. Jeff, you're, you're a product that's difficult to use. Not you because you dispense drugs uh, when, when ooh, people are in surgery. Ooh, his, but his doctors his, went up. Same more. His is, his is, he's an anesthesiologist. It's, that is, you can't do that telehealth. The, the, the complex stuff is complex as, and should you know be. What, oh, that's about a third of expenditures. About yeah. two thirds of yeah. expenditures are, is, are common. Yeah. yeah. Be delivered remotely. Yeah. Okay. All right, Jeff, we will have you on at some point. You can yell I at us. I'm literally keep tweeting. scared. Keep texting. I'm scared to check my DMs after I get off this. <laughs> so, no, does he DM you? I'll have to speak Seriously. to him. All right. Really quickly. Only, only gay vampires will be more offended than <laughs> oh, Dr. Swisher from God, this. God, he's going to don't DM 
Scott, Jeff, geez. Anyway, let me just, last thing in this banter part, by the way, and it's it's completely unrelated. Facebook will start sharing an annual report detailing the company's impact on human rights as part of an effort to address criticism of the platform. Shall we subscribe to that? Wait, what was this? Uh, Facebook will start sharing an annual report detailing the company's impact on human rights in part of an effort to address criticism on the platform. Well, that's going to be a page turner. <laughs> okay. You know what I'd like to do? I, can they have that? I'd like to get that on VHS so I can rent it, take it home and erase it. Yeah. it, it uh, wh- what do you think? I have no. I have I, no okay. I thought they no should, I thought they were doing it. I just. I, okay. Sure. Whatever. Seems yeah. a little cow barn meat barn door. I don't let know. Me, let me summarize it. Let me summarize yeah. it. We're really awful for the world, but we need to do better, and we're proud of the progress we've made. Yeah. Let me summarize what it'll say right now. <laughs> what it'll say right now. It's true. By the way, did you hear I'm engaged? Oh, no. You're being mean now. Being <laughs> Sorry. I can't. You're being that mean now. That is, that's You're being not appropriate. Mean now. That's totally um, uh, Later, I do want to talk about a movie I saw this weekend, Promising Young Woman. I love it. It's fantastic. What's it called? I just Promising heard- Young Woman. It got an Academy oh, that's, Award that's nomination. It's fans. Have you seen it? I, I can't have not believe- seen that. No, I obviously you haven't. Which means Please. I'm a misogynist if I no, have seen No, no, no. It's great. Listen, watch it and we need to discuss it because there's okay. a lot going it's on great. there. I Didn't want you to watch been, it. Wasn't, wasn't the director nominated for Best yes, Director? she is. And she also played Camilla Barker Bowles in uh, The Crown. She's amazing. This woman. And she was also the really? showrunner for uh, Killing Eve. She's really quite Oh, I something. like it. Killing something. Eve is one of my favorites. This movie characters. will, will I want to see Scott Galloway's reaction to this movie. That's what I was thinking the whole time. It is a mind blower, really? I have to say. Yes, it deserves the Academy Award 100%. 100%. Tonight, All right. A little edible and a little promising young woman. <laughs> You're going to be freaked out, Scott Galloway. I'm just going to say. dog lives his life. Front, Sarah. This is going to freak you out. I cannot speak to you about it until you see it. And then really? you'll see it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, I'm only remembering because there's a scene I'm where she's intrigued. dressed up as a naughty nurse. But. Let really? me let us just. You're not gonna like that scene. Let me just yeah. say, you're not. Gonna, I've never been. But into, you're gonna like it, but then you're not gonna like it. I've never it. been into cosplay, and I've tried everything. Not, Sarah. Just watch I've it. I've tried everything. It Are we talking about my prostate again? I wish I was watching with you. Is what I was watching. Yeah. So I damn again. We're gonna move along to the big story. Let's go on a movie uh, date. It's let's, also let's, let's go, go on a movie date. All right. Well, it's it's bankrupt, but it's still operating. Yes, that's true. Okay, we will do that now. You know, once we're all vaccinated and ready to go. All right, Facebook is starting a Substack. This is a big story. Facebook mm-hmm. is starting a Substack competitor, speaking of human rights. Um, mm-hmm. The platform will include tools for journalists to build actual websites in addition to newsletters. Facebook plans to start with a small group of writers and plans to pay them to help get it off the ground. Meanwhile, there's trouble in paradise at Substack. Uh, some writers are accusing the newsletter platform of allowing anti-trans writing to flourish in, with their tools and using their Substack Pro Fund to fuel these writers. It's a little more complex than that because um, it's also, they're not being transparent of who they're paying. So it's not clear who's actually making money. Mm-hmm. So, so they're trying to sort of sell all the others on, you're going to make money here, but some of them they're paying on top of it. So you don't know where the, the economics seem confused. They are really an edit operation when in fact they were just saying they were platform. Anyway, it's quite confusing. Are People are very up in Facebook arms. or Substack? Substack. But yeah. here's Facebook coming in with a competitor. Same thing with Twitter. 
Uh, and Facebook's going to possibly not charge anything, pulling a Microsoft, you know, yep. uh, Explorer move here on Net on Netscape, essentially. So, what what do we think about this? Will the writers uh, use a Facebook Substack like a tool? Is there just another Facebook attempt to mimic popular new platforms like TikTok? What do you think about this situation? Well, it's really interesting. Whether it's Coursera and Google coming in with certificates, whether it's Clubhouse yeah. and Twitter coming in with is it called Spaces? Uh, spaces um, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Whether it's or now it's Facebook coming after Substack, look uh, anything with review. But go ahead. But anything I think that gives um, journalists more opportunities to own their audience and extract higher rents from the platforms that have starched most of the margin out of journalism, I think is Mm -hmm. a good thing. But there's just no getting around it. I've I've really benefited from my partnership with Facebook. Said no one ever. Yeah. Said no one ever. So mm-hmm. just proceed with caution because Facebook. Yeah, remember Zynga. Facebook, Facebook, well, Facebook would say we're creating pages for mm-hmm. brands so you can own your audience. That was right. literally what they said. Oh, Nike, you need yeah. to have a bigger page. Yeah, so if you pay too. to advertise, you can have a bigger page. And then just kidding, we own those people and you don't have access to them unless you advertise. Mm-hmm. So I would just say proceed with caution because. I mean, and it's an old saying, and I've I've said it a long time. Facebook partners with journalists and vendors and media companies like a virus partners with a host. They'll keep you alive long enough, such that they survive. But Back to vampires. Back to vampires. Eventually, it ends poorly for one of the parties, and it's not Facebook. So, All right, but talk about this idea of why, like Facebook and Twitter, and of course Substack, and let's, we can talk about the issues. I think a lot of people arguing about this issue. By the way, there are there is it, it is it would be nice. Annalie Newitz wrote a good piece beyond just the issue of funding people who are anti-trans necessarily is it it, it doesn't stay a neutral platform for one. Two, it's not transparent of who they're funding, right? And it's not transparent of who's, I think it's the transparency around the business model is also really problematic um, in that you don't know who's making money. So why, why, how do you look look at this shaking out, you know, the expansion of these newsletters and the future of media, um, because I think it's it's a lot more complex than yelling. You know, the people who are being attacked are like free speech. Don't and and in fact, the the CEO stupidly um, uh, tweeted uh, defund the thought police. He's trying to like yell yell free speech in a crowded Twitter theater where everybody can go crazy. Um, but talk about this this expansion of the newsletters and the future of media, because I think that's really and the business model behind it. I think that's what's really. Um, doing it, but they've managed to, to, to anger a lot of people and, and have sort of looking like they're abrogating their responsibility and addressing anti-trans concerns. So look, it, it reflects, it's a collision of a lot of big trends around digitization, both mm-hmm. good and bad. And the first is that the most talented people get to leapfrog the platforms. It's dispersion of value. And that mm-hmm. is, when I read Maureen Dowd, I think she has just such I don't know, facility or a plume with English language, even if I don't agree with her views, I just love reading her writing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she, if she chooses, can skip this platform, the brand, she's the brand. And the fact that she can own her own audience, which quite frankly is not only presents economic upside, but when you talk about cancel culture, mm-hmm. essentially it's, you're not being canceled. It's the platform that comes under fire and decides decides to fire you. And so mm-hmm. great advice to any creator is to establish direct links with your audience and to yeah. own your audience. And then yeah. quite frankly, not only do you have greater upside, but you have greater downside. And so it's dispersion. The other thing it represents, and this is the scary part, is that Maureen Dowd and Shira Ovaday and Andrew Ross Horkin are probably realistically underpaid 
And there's a lot of people at that platform that are overpaid. And what uh-huh. happens in digitization when capital, which is totally agnostic and doesn't care about equity or fairness, all crowds to the best in the tier two, quite frankly, uh, get just swept off the planet. So Substack, there will be on Substack, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the top 50 people on Substack will soak up 110% of the economics. And the other 50,000. They're, they're accusing them of creating these sort of faux businesses for these people and then uh, facilitating them by pushing them out. So it's not, re- it's not, they're not really successful, or maybe they are, or nobody knows. And how do they make those choices? What they've done is they've dragged themselves into an editorial discussion when they were pretending to be a benign platform, right? Where yeah, anybody that, can succeed. Any land here, come here and you can grow. That's like, I'm sorry. I'm just saying, I think the transparency is the issue because I had an interview with him and he was like, anybody can win on this platform. And okay, but someone who gets $100,000 and a ton of promotion can win a little better, not just because they're good. But anyway, but go ahead. That's no different than any other media platform. But they pretend it's not. They when pretend they has not. the upfronts, they want Will from Will and Grace. So they want Rachel, uh, uh, Ross and Rachel because those, those programs have so far the most success. So they pimp them, they promote them, and then they pull away. And Third Rock from the Sun is like, we're funny too. You should give us more oxygen. Mm-hmm. So them promoting the, the folks that get early traction, I don't I don't see how that's different than what... No, they went out and got them before. So I just, it's just an interesting, I just wish they would be just transparent about what they're doing. And I, that's, you know, then people could say, who are they giving money to? Why? And then everyone can argue over, or decide whether they want to be on the platform. It's like, I don't like the ones they're funding. Like, I, I just think they kind of pulled a fast one on a lot of their should, writers. Well, let me ask you this. Should, should Vox publish our agreement, our financial terms? Should no, but because it, it, it acts like a media company. It says it's a media company, right? It's not necessarily the financial terms. I agree with you on that issue, but it, this was pretending it was not doing this and it was doing this. That's that's all my issue is is it's it's confusing, I think, to a lot of people. And so they immediately run to, you know, well, if you said you weren't a media company and you're acting like a media company, just tell me what you're doing. And I don't know if they need to 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 do the economics. No, it's like who we're are they? Paying? We're not a media company. We're a platform. Yeah, exactly. And so you're like, well, just say who you're paying and 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 what you're doing, what what they're getting at, that I'm not getting. I don't know. I just feel like people thought this was a different thing. That's mm-hmm. that's what I think is one of the big issues behind it. I'm still thinking it out, but but I but I do think behind it is are these are there is are going to be newsletter companies that are going to be left wing and right wing too? Like that, that Jason Calacan has brought that up, but other people have brought it up. Is I don't know necessarily think I just feel like people have to like plumb these things a little closer mm-hmm. than they do. Like it's not quite what like the way Facebook and you and Facebook's a whole nother thing, which is that they're going to somehow get the benefit here. They have their own like agenda too. Yeah, I, I look, I. I uh, I have almost no comment. Do you know Jane Lynch tweeted at me this weekend? Yes, I know. <laughs> she yes. said, I'm a force, Kara. You are. I'm a force. Okay, we're moving to that. Anyway, you do have a comment. I'm, like, what happened? Who is going to win here? I want you to, you have, you do have a, a thought. Like, you always you, win. You, you have Facebook and Twitter and Substack. Which one of the three, if you had a bet on a horse here? I'm going to go, go out on a limb here and say mm-hmm. the big tech wins. Okay. They, they get the gold, the silver, and the bronze medal over the short okay. and long term here. Over the short term, they'll pretend to give a fuck and like they're helping small business and journalists. Uh-huh. And slowly but surely, they'll starch all the margin. And then they'll invite the journalists to their party on the beach and they'll stroke their hair and tell them what great partners they are and then shoot them in the fucking face. Oh, wow. Jeez. 
Okay. What about Twitter? <laughs> Twitter <'cause she> <laughs> no, I'm a shareholder of Twitter. They're much nicer. Uh, okay. Uh, Twitter, look, Twitter, uh, Twitter still has tons of upside because it just commands such incredible influence. But and your interest graph is there. That's right. There. I mean, it's, I, you, I think you and I are both like physically addicted, or at least I am, mm-hmm. to Twitter. Yes. And, yes, you definitely are. And I they haven't. And I they like haven't it. It's a good product. Yeah, I think so too. And they just haven't monetized it as well as the other guys. It's just not, the bottom line is Twitter's just not as well-run a company as Facebook Mm -hmm. or Google. Yeah, yeah. And you can see, like, could you see, this is my last question, a clubhouse buying a Substack? Like, so that's, you know, you you have your clubhouse thing and then you... And then you put out a newsletter and people, you know, I don't know, they seem to belong together. For me, Clubhouse is like CompuServe, Von Dutch Hats, and White Claw. And that is, I will be excited to say in five <laughs> years, those are things I never tried. Those are things I never tried. And they went out of business. You've tried White Claw. Don't even lie to the group I here. do like the claw. You called you like me out claw. and you're right. You yeah. ain't wrong. I do yeah. like the claw. Yeah. And then I watch Ted and I feel so Caucasian. I watch oh Ted videos God. and I'm like, could I be any whiter? Ted. That and is then a really I listen to the dirty podcast movie. with Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama, and I'm like, oh my God, Caucasian Olympics. Oh, okay. All right. We're going to take a quick break. This is an interesting area. I think beyond the screaming right now that's going on, and I think some of it's quite justified, is this is an interesting... This what do you think a, of Clubhouse? I've never been on it. I don't understand I think it. I'm going to interview the CEO soon. I don't know. I don't know. I, I like the idea of it. I just don't understand why I would also... Just to like the people on it? do that. I just don't, I think it could, I think it'll, I think it'll be a fad. I do. Honestly, there was a great thread that I tweeted. I oh, think you probably saw gangster. it. it was so gangster. this guy was amazing. Um, and I'm totally to attention. Somebody said, this is amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing about where it was going. And I thought it, it felt like exactly oh, the story. It felt like uh, that's the story's going to be written. In. But I don't know. You never know. You never know what these things but are. Brands are brands that have uh, communities. A mm-hmm. lot of it is the self-expressive benefit. And you decide whether you want to be part of that community. And yep. um, I, it, there's just certain, it's like walking into a club and thinking, it's not about the club. It's not about the music. It's about, do I aspire to be part of this 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 herd, this tribe, whatever. And mm-hmm. I just, some of the early ugliness around Clubhouse, I'm like, I just would never want to go to that club. I just never right. want to be there. But right. uh, to their credit, they are yeah. talking about pivoting to a subscription model, which I think mm-hmm. is the right move. And also, I got to yeah. be honest, I hear about it everywhere. I hear yeah, about it. Yeah, but that's all right. You heard a lot. There's a lot of stuff. I want to see the next chapter. I think that's why that that whole tweet stream, and I'm, I I wish I could name this guy. Unfortunately, I can't find it. It's gone. It's gone away in my Twitter stream. Um, but uh, it was, you can go look on my Twitter stream. There's a thing. I, I think there's a lot of, people liked it because it was like, oh yeah, that's how it could go kind of thing. How That's how this could go. But I like, I still like the the phenomena. I like the phenomena. I like people chit chat. Even you know if some of it's think about, I mean, just just let's let's dream for a moment. Um, let's dream uh, that Brad Pitt is a gay vampire. Let's okay. dream about that. Okay. And then let's dream about um, what happens when they announce they're breaking these guys up. Think about the flurry of activity, of funding, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. new businesses, of excitement. Yep. yep. Of of of. I, I just think the ecosystem, it would literally be like the ecosystem had a massive rain of nutrients and new oxygen and new sunlight. Mm-hmm. I think it would yep. be so exciting what would happen. And by the way, a lot of people will say, 
well, but I love Amazon. You're still going to get all your shit in 24, 24 minutes. It, right. It's not like Amazon would die. The majority of breakups, almost all breakups result in greater service to the end consumer. Uh, I just, yeah. you want to talk about when we go to five times a week, yeah. When these companies, they decide these companies are being broken up and we think yeah. about all the possibilities for new companies, new competitors and yep. new companies being funded. You would see venture capitalists raise entirely new funds focused on the new niches and ecosystems that would be that would open up when yep. these guys if these guys yep. if or when these guys get broken up by Tim Wu and Lena Khan. Gangster yep. and gangster gangster. Yep. Fair. Fair. So we're gonna have a whole flowering. It's a flowering. A thousand flowers are gonna bloom. And then they're going to be cut down by another big tech company. Anyway, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about Netflix's carbon footprint and take a listener mail question. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Scott, we're back. Netflix has released information about how much binging is affecting the planet. Uh, using the tool called DIM Pack, DIM Pack, Netflix claims that one hour of streaming on its platform in 2020 used less than 100 grams of carbon dioxide equivalent. This amounts to driving less than an av uh, driving an average car a quarter of a mile. The metric is a big step for Netflix to catch up on minimizing carbon footprint. Last year, Microsoft promised to go carbon negative by 2030. Apple announced its own plans to become carbon neutral by the same date. Facebook is committed to net zero emissions from all suppliers uh, and users. And Google has promised to run exclusively on renewable energy. It's really interesting because there's lots and lots. And of course, there's a controversy about NFTs using uh, and, and cryptocurrency using too much 
uh, emissions. It's it, This is really interesting. I find it really interesting because uh, this is why. Because as I predicted, the world's first trillionaire will be a climate change technologist, mm-hmm. even though I made that up. Um, the fact of the matter is there's all this opportunity here in all these promises of people to start moving into the space in a really innovative way. So what do you think about this? I think people do want to know what their what their impact is necessarily. I think especially young people. What do you think? I think it's powerful. <laughs> I, I think what gets measured gets done. And I tell, I tell um, young people to go get um, a really serious physical because at the end of the day, what you want is baselines around measurement because – it's not having a high PSA or high cholesterol alone that's necessarily bad. It's the velocity and the change. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of having a set of standardized metrics around your carbon footprint such that companies, people, even countries can all mm-hmm. commit to getting carbon neutral mm-hmm. is really exciting. If we yeah. want to take climate change um, seriously, we have to have common standards and we have to have measurements. Uh, and then it ideally it becomes a criteria for funding, taxation, Consumer choice, but I consumer choice, yeah. It's interesting. Like it's like knowing what what they put into their food and stuff like that. And I know people think it's virtue signaling, but I don't actually. I think it's an interesting thing to want to know about. Like Great. someone was saying, I was using Instacart the other day, like, oh, you're using delivery and this and that. And I'm like, you know, I get I've gotten into a car and driven it and parked in a parking lot with all these other cars. And this guy made 10 deliveries. I'm like, maybe we have to figure out how to pay these people better and give them more benefits. Absolutely, which is another issue. But I have a feeling it might be more efficient. Like, you know, but I want to know. I don't know. I was like, I don't know. But I I think it might be. And it's efficient use of my time. And because I can make more money doing other things and employing other people. Anyway, it's just an interesting, this carbon footprint thing. You know, Bill Gates has talked about it quite a bit in his book. Mm -hmm. Um, is I think these companies are making these promises. They're going to keep these promises. And to keep these promises, all kinds of innovation has to happen and products and uh, and it, ways to mitigate it. Because like the NFT people have moved in really quickly and said, okay, we're going to move to this other, there's something called p- proof of work versus proof of something else. I can't POS. Um, they're going to move to a more efficient system like it, it, because the artists were un- upset. And, you know, it's, and, and someone was like, oh, it's virtue signal. I was like, no, it's not. It's actually people wanting to know the provenance of what they do and the impact that they have. And more and more, my kids talk about it a lot. And I don't, and I didn't particularly push the environmental stuff on them necessarily. I didn't even, like I didn't at all. I should more so. But it'll be interesting to see who dominates in this area. There's, there's, an, there's an enormous business opportunity for being the brand. I built a business around this notion. L2 is essentially, we're going to try and establish ourselves as the, is the premier neutral, most rigorous arbiter of digital IQ or digital competence across corporations. Mm-hmm. Whoever figures out a way, and it might be a government agency, it might be a for-profit company that figures out a way to come up with a ranking similar to the net promoter score or to the um, YNR brand asset evaluator that mm-hmm. publishes or the Business Week ranking. Rankings are really powerful. And a third party that comes in and says, these are the criteria for measuring your carbon footprint and then applies it to the thousand biggest corporations in the world. That's a big business. A media company should probably do it. But mm-hmm. again, it's it's really, I think it's really powerful and exciting. And it's exciting that this next generation uh, is a lot more cognizant than my generation around climate change and holding in reverse engineering. I, n- I just never would have thought to to mm-hmm. to connect the dots between Netflix and climate yeah. change. 
Yeah, 100%. It was interesting what they're going to do with this information because I think one of the things is we don't use that much, everybody, just so you know. And actually, they could use it as a brand initiative. Like, well, you go to the movies and you, you know, you use this and this and this and this. And here we are. So it's almost like, you know, putting sugar information on something. Like, I do pay attention to that now when I didn't before. And it just, I think it's a brand additive, like that you may want to ch- make your choices um, and of, of how you move around the world, et cetera. I think more and more people will do that. Not everybody, for sure. You know, it's people right, are going to continue to use right. plastic and, yeah. and like crap all over this planet. But it's I think static. a lot of more people are not. It's a static part of our zeitgeist now. There's a huge mm-hmm. conversation around crypto and the carbon yeah. footprint of mining. And so yeah. it's, uh, I, th- I think it's really, I think it's exciting. And- It'd be something if that group really fixes that issue. And I think they certainly can. There, there's all kinds of discussions about how to do that. Um, but I do like that a, a brand like Netflix is doing this. You do hear when Microsoft made it, it made, I was, I noticed this a lot more than I did when Microsoft did it, but all corporations are going to have to have some sort of score in this area or, or have, or make people aware of it. And then it has to be accurate too, not just mm-hmm. not just using it fakely, like the you know, like those oil commercials that they always show forests and stuff. You know those. <laughs> my favorite my favorite ad campaign ever, British for BP, you know, used to yeah. petroleum, now it's beyond petroleum. Yeah. Yes, we're moving beyond petroleum, <laughs> although ninety-nine point nine percent of our profits and our capex is around digging new wells in the North Atlantic or whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's a great, interesting story. You pay attention, people. Pay attention. And 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 we and and we think this is important. I do. I think it is. And absolutely. Anyway, moving on, let's take a listener mail question. You've got you've got I can't believe I'm gonna be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. Hi, Kara. Hi, Scott. This is an anonymous question from London. Scott's spoken about Goldman a few times, so I wanted to ask about a company that's often mentioned in tandem, McKinsey. Both are known for their outsized influence as sources of exceptional talent and for their public scandals. But what do you think? Does McKinsey still offer unrivaled services and is it still a training ground for the next generation of CEOs? Or is it writing out a diminishing brand and weakening proposition? And if you were to advise the newly elected managing director, Bob Sternfels, what would you say? So, Scott, where are the next generation of leaders going to come from as to this question? Well, look, I I think McKinsey and Goldman Mm -hmm. have what is one of the key attributes of any successful, a really successful organization. And that is they've developed a reputation for being an accelerant in young people's careers. Accelerant. Well, if you're if you're a talented uh, young woman who has a double E from uh, you know Dartmouth, or you just mm-hmm. have all the right skills and grew up playing sports, or 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 you were the editor of your paper, and you just kind of have it going on. I mean, we we all meet those people, right? I yeah. have several of them were in my my company, and they're these women yeah. who could be the gen- junior senator from Pennsylvania by the time they're thirty seven. Mm-hmm. To attract those people, and I think that's the secret sauce in any high growth company is show me a sample of the half dozen people under the age of 30, uh, and I'll tell you how the company's doing. And your ability to attract the best human capital is a function of your reputation as an accelerant. And what I mean by that is the good stuff that we always talk about is some 25-year-old gets double promoted, makes more money than, than, than their parents were making at mm-hmm. 45, gets tremendous responsibility, this whole notion of meritocracy. What these companies yeah. are really good at and no one wants to talk about is the only way you can do that is by moving people out. And that is 
some 45-year-old who's making half a million or a million dollars a year because they're 45 and they've been around a long time, but who's no longer pulling their weight gets moved out. And what McKinsey is famous for is firing people really elegantly. Mm-hmm. And that is they say, okay, you're great. You're not going to make partner, but we're going to find you a job. And we're going to, they've created this unbelievable alumni network and they continue to they continue to attract the best and brightest human capital. I think this is a scandal is somewhat overrated. I would argue that McKinsey needs a better operating group. I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. Goldman's biggest threat to their brand. And I know the yeah. guys at Goldman well, and I like them a lot. Right. If they take Robinhood public and they advise Robinhood, there will be a scandal around Goldman and Robinhood because yeah. Robinhood is a mendacious group of Fox. And <laughs> okay. if Goldman continues to associate with mendacious Fox, <laughs> okay. they will they will damage their brand. And when McKinsey advises... By the way, Mendacious Fox is the name of my band in high school, but go MF. ahead. <laughs> but when McKinsey decides to advise uh, Gaddafi, I mean, they're just going to get in trouble. So I don't even think it's... Or opiates or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, the I, I, various and sundry things consulting companies do. Yeah, when they just say, okay, wear whores with Hermes ties and uh-huh. graduate degrees. Okay, but you're still uh, cavorting with dangerous organizations that are going to lead to bad places. Whereas the same thing is true of Goldman. Goldman's mm-hmm. operating committee that uh, okayed them to take Robin Hood public mm-hmm. is putting the brand at risk. And my sense is that McKinsey, it's not that they're bad people. They're generally a very impressive group mm-hmm. of people. It's that they're, they're senior management that, that clears and okays certain engagements and certain clients mm-hmm. has been making trading off long-term brand equity and quite frankly, health for the world by taking on, by talking themselves into believing, well, we can make the world a better place if we advise these people that are not good people and not good organizations and are corrupt governments. So, but the bottom line is uh, the long-winded way of saying McKinsey will continue to to attract the best and brightest because they continue to be outstanding at taking young human capital, Mm -hmm. training it well, and accelerating it. It's an outstanding organization. Even even through the scandal, it's going to be fine. So what what is going to I, I think it's I think it's 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 an, an interesting question of what what they what what each of them does and what it helps. Talk a little bit though about how it helps a young person use. So my nephew, I forget which one he went to, went to one of them, either BC one of them, McKinsey or BCG. He was working somewhere, didn't like it. I advised him to go to one of these companies. And then he, you know, and he's liked it. He's liked the ability. He has a, a, a an engineering degree, uh, a, a chemical engineering degree. And I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting way to sort of excel, not accelerate, just improve yourself for a short time where you're going somewhere else. That, that's you know, exactly right. I started my first company. Better than a graduate school. Rather than paying for, you get paid for going to graduate school, Exactly right. Um, My first company out of business school is Profit Brand Strategy, a consulting firm. And consulting is essentially a second graduate degree. It's outstanding in the sense that there's, I'll, I'll break down the upsides and the downsides. The upside is it's a fantastic way to get into amazing shape from a multidimensional perspective. You have to be good at presenting. You have to be good at analytics. You have to have good EQ. You have to be able to sell business. You have to be analytical. It's a fantastic place for what I'll call not only athletes, but aimless athletes. Because the reason you go to business school is because you're credentialed and smart and ambitious and have absolutely no fucking idea what you want to do with your life. And you're like, while I'm figuring it out, 
I'll get a credential that'll make me worth 150000 instead of a confused person making 70000 Right. The same is true of consulting. Very few people end up lifelong in consulting because you know what? It's a young woman's job because you're on mm-hmm. planes and you're kissing other people's ass. And when the CMO of Audi calls you and says, hey, we have a meeting tomorrow. Can you be here? I say yes when I'm running a consulting yep. firm yep. and I fly to fucking Ingolstadt. Yeah. It's really difficult on relationships really difficult on relationships, hard to attach to a spouse or kids or friends when you're roaming the earth as a consultant. You get paid. I mean, this is going to sound strange, but basically the way I built profit into a brand strategy firm was by establishing a series of like father-son relationships with powerful men such that they would hire my firm for half a million or million dollar engagements. I was good at what I did, but it's a very relationship-driven business, which quite frankly is exhausting. It's exhausting playing golf and being nice to people. And I got never be good at I got worse at as I got as I got older. But it's a fantastic way to get exposed to pontoon into different industries, develop fantastic schools, get another credential. You just don't if you go to McKinsey or Bain or BCG for three years, you don't look back and think, well, I really fucked up doing that for two or three years. It's like you're exactly you have a a huge entrepreneurial bent that you really want to make something right. But it just means you can raise more money. It's like having a second or a third MBA. It's a fantastic thing for a young person. Yeah, it is interesting. What's interesting at McKinsey, you know, just last month, they they got um, they the partners voted out the consulting firm's top executive, Kevin, I think it's Sneeder, this, uh, to, uh, uh, on the blowback over the opiate crisis. So 600 senior partners. He got voted out because of his name. Doesn't he sound <laughs> like a menace? Kevin Sneeder. <laughs> well, just, you know, McKinsey agreed to pay 49 states a historic settlement with almost $600 million because of sales advice the company gave to drug makers. So it's really, uh, y- you do have to protect, you're right, you do have to protect them just like anything else. Last question, is schools stopping luxury brands, as you've discussed and endlessly, um, how will young people differentiate themselves in the job market. Is this the kind of way you do it or what's the, you know, that it's not, you know, you don't get the job because you're Harvard, Princeton, Yale, whatever. We, we love the shorthand of brands. We want, we used to, Europeans were famous for doing it based on your last name. Uh Americans did it based on where you did go to college. Mm -hmm. Um, Instinctively, we do it based on the height of your cheekbones or the length of your legs or the size of your biceps. And that Mm -hmm. sounds sexist. It is, but we're sexist as a, as a species. So we love the shorthand. And in America, the brands or credentials are incredibly powerful. And we will always, whether it's schools becoming less important in terms of credentialing, I actually think they're becoming more important. The applications to the top 50 schools have skyrocketed this year. Mm-hmm. But we will always fill that void or that need for shorthand with brands and certification. And it'll be someone will step into that void and say, okay, I'll provide you with the certification or the screening. McKinsey is the is an, is a fantastic certification. Being a varsity athlete is a fantastic certification. Having been a journalist at the New York Times is an incredible certification. So that's not going anywhere. It may shift, but I actually think that the the elite university branding is only getting stronger. I predicted that they would massively increase their enrollments partnering with big tech. I was wrong. They decided to double down on exclusivity. I just heard from someone telling me like, oh, our our numbers were we're up more than ever. And that means we're not going to let as many people. And I was like, is that a good thing? I've no, become Scott. I've become Scott. Thing. I was no. like, that's wrong. What, what, who, what business says that? We decided to deny 98% of the people ice cream. What? Oh, oh my God. What? Well, uh, this is, and guess what? You know what, what that means? I went like that. I went, what? It means, it means your yeah. daughter's not getting in. It, it, yeah. it, brag about it. No, uh, my daughter will get into everything. There you go. Um, we, got, we just got into a preschool that was very competitive. <laughs> well, how white of you? 
Well, that why did you care? No, it was a lesbian. What preschool thing. is going to turn you down? You might it as well. Be, the only way you can be better is like if you showed up in a wheelchair. Seriously, <laughs> stop. <laughs> that's by the way. That's a horrible thing to say, but it's an episode of Modern Family, which means it's yes, okay. Yes, that's true. It yeah, it's, it's okay. true. It was an episode. Let me just say, I we do get this. What a shocker they got into. into. <laughs> what a sh- I'm sure they're not scared of you. Yeah, a, a very I don't know. a strong lesbian woman who happens to work at the New York Times. Yeah, let's piss her off. Let's no, piss her I, off. No, I'm just saying. I just anyway, schools should be letting lots more people, and that's my. Fa- I'm talking not talking about nursery schools. Oh. I'm talking about uh, uh, big colleges. They let's should. At, I've, I've moved to the Scott Way. I've moved to the let's, Scott let's Way. Look at data. When I applied yeah. to UCLA, yeah, the admittance rate was sixty percent, and I didn't that's get in. That's a good in. rate. I didn't get yeah. in. I had to apply again. That's a good you know, rate. That's a fair rate. Half you know and what half. You know what it's going to be this year? What? It's going to be nine percent. Oh God! It's going to be nine. Percent. That's ridiculous. It should it's fifty. I say fifty-fifty. Don't you think? Don't you think fifty-fifty? Yeah. No one has a birthright to get into a good school. But here's the bottom line: I wouldn't yeah. be here with you, yeah, making jokes about Brad Pitt and my prostate and getting paid right. for it, right? If we had decided that that schools were the new enforcers of the caste system, and yeah. there's so many things that need to change here. When people, I think, I would like to see people when they make donations to schools say, "I need you to expand the number of seats." We need, we yeah. need to fall back in love with the unremarkable, Kara. Unremarkable. We've, there's like so Scott many. Galloway. Well, 99% of us are not in the top one percent. The test of a society. I don't think you're unre- apparent, according to Quitter, you're not unremarkable at this point. Apparently. Jane Lynch likes me. Jenna. I know she does. Okay. All right, Scott. I'm a force. One more quick break. We'll be force. back. I need to be remarkable about predictions. We'll be back in a America, second. Well, hold on. America is not about turning the 1% into billionaires. America is about taking the bottom 90% and putting them into the top 10%. We're no longer, we're being wow. less and less American because of universities. We are less Anyways. and less American. All right, Scott. One more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Support for Pivot comes from Hidden Layer. It seems like everywhere you look, industries are turning to generative AI. We talk about it a lot on this show. Businesses can generate more ideas, answers, connections, solutions, and momentum. But at the same time, security teams are forced to slow down that progress so they can make sure AI adoption is safe and responsible. Hidden Layer's AI detection and response platform secures generative AI and large language models from malicious attacks, leaking of confidential information, and intellectual property theft. Hidden Layer helps you generate more by enabling seamless, secure generative AI. Here's how it works. AI detection and response protects businesses from potential attacks by monitoring and analyzing the inputs and outputs of their generative AI applications, blocking harmful transactions and alerting security teams in real time, allowing organizations to accelerate their AI adoption with speed. Customers in finance, technology, healthcare, and even the U.S. Department of Defense trust Hidden Layer to protect their AI today. Plus, Hidden Layer was named Most Innovative Startup at RSA, the most significant cybersecurity conference in the nation. With Hidden Layer, go from pause to possibilities. Generate more with Hidden Layer. Visit hiddenlayer.com slash pivot to learn more about Hidden Layer's AI detection and response solution. Okay, Scott, prediction time. 
Give me a prediction. You're very good. Amazon one was good. What's your next one? What's your next prediction? We're finally dem- going to demonstrate some leadership. The most I love what I think are sort of underreported business stories that are going to have second order effects. So yeah. Walmart has announced that they are going to have a kind of a digital wallet around access to your healthcare records. Yes. But what's really important in that announcement is they said they're going to basically create a vaccine passport that says mm-hmm. on your phone, you'll be able to pull up confirmation you've been vaccinated. And we're going to decide to demonstrate some leadership here and say, okay, you need to prove before you get on a plane and have access to our transportation infrastructure, you need to prove that you do not have a gun on your person. Yeah. When you go to certain countries, we or return, do. we do, we get, we get mad about things and not about other things, but go ahead. And we are going to show some leadership here and decide companies. And I think ultimately the government, we're about to run. The problem so far has been, we haven't had enough vaccine. We're about yeah. to run into a new problem. We're not, we're going to run out of arms. Yeah. And that is 24% of or inefficient people. systems to get to the arms, but go ahead. But that's getting better. Yeah. So I think in the next few weeks, we're literally going to pivot to a, uh, a, um, a demand, a demand side problem instead of a supply yeah. side problem. And, the, yeah. and 24% of Americans say they either not going to get it or won't get it unless their company demands it. And they tend to cluster around three groups, young people mm-hmm. um, who feel immune People of color who have, quite frankly, been uh, for, yep. for for legitimate reasons, don't trust <laughs> vaccines. And then third, deeply conservative Republicans, specifically evangelicals. We're making a lot of progress mm-hmm. around groups one and two. And and uh, I think we're going to show some leadership here. And I think we're going to say, listen, you are you are as an asymptomatic carrier of this virus, dangerous, really dangerous. And if you want to access the trillions of dollars and the freedoms we have decided in this country, we can conflated liberty with selfishness. Yeah. Oh, I've decided it's my right. I'm going to exercise my liberty uh, by being incredibly selfish. Our community and sacrifice is what makes Vaccine America passport. great. I don't. I have no problem with it. I agree with you. I and think I, it's really irresponsible. I think it's. It, you know, it's interesting. Trump came out. If you know, uh, he was on whatever. What's her name's show? I don't mean what's their name's thing. She's a terrible journalist. But um, he was. He talked. He said everyone should. Every, all my people should take it. Like he. You know. He of course important. ran. The, all the Trumps ran and got it after all their, all their nonsense over the past six months on this issue. They all that ran as fast as possible to get it, and all of their people did. There's a really good story about how they all just like like rushed the rushed the door to get the vaccine. It's a huge limits. opportunity for him. But he did say it. I have to say uh, he did say it. But it's like the rat fact that he we had to like them beg him to do it was kind of ridiculous on some level. He should have been saying it loud and clear for a long time. But he's uh, but the most impo- he's the most important person around this right now. Yeah, if he were to be really loud about it, uh, yeah. it's really I mean it's a good brand thing for him. Too. Oh gosh, it could it could. It could have enormously positive impact, which would repair about 3% of the damage he's done. But if he's thinking about his legacy, the absolute no, gangster move for him, I, I agree with you. But You know what? Because the thing he talked about was how it was his vaccine. I got the right. vaccine. I mm-hmm. was Warp like he invented feed. it. I was like, I, recall, I think it's this couple in Germany who invented it, this idea. He, he literally took all the credit as usual, but, but whatever. And Dr. Swisher will weigh in on this. <laughs> Yes, there, you will. There, there really <laughs> is. I'm, I'm literally scared right now. There is, look, there is a race. Yeah. There is a race between the vi- viruses are so impressive. Every time someone gets this thing, the virus learns and the virus has got a heads up that the vaccines are here and you know it is working overtime unless, yeah. 
And uh, the other thing I can't stand. You see what's happening in Europe and the delays and everything. But but Italy closed down again. One of them. One of them. But this whole I'm going to wait or I'm not going to take it. I call that the narcissist playbook. That's bullshit, people. Yeah. We don't like it. We're not going to let you come on this way unless you have a vaccine passport. The call has gone out. Two million Americans could still die from this thing. The call has gone out to get two million American brothers and sisters off the beach. Get them off the beach. Get a get a vaccine. It's not about fucking you. Get a vaccine. Yeah. Anyways, I think we're the prediction is I think we're gonna have vaccine passports. And I think slowly but surely corporations and states and governments are gonna say, look, you can't come back to work unless you, you want to work at Salesforce or you want to work at Lemonade? No, or you, you want to work. work. You can't come into work. Or whatever it might be. Yeah, you yeah. can't come into an office. You can't get on a plane, an FAA same plane. They're not going to I think they should. Yeah. I think there's a decent chance they will. We'll see. Anyways, we'll see. You That's a really your, good one. I like that one. I like that. It was interesting. A kid to a public school. We forced him to get vaccinated yeah. now. Why wouldn't we force him to get vaccinated? improve from gay vampire make, making out handsome vampire? Very this. hard to do that. Very hard to do that. That's a nice pivot, as they say. Very hard to do that. All right, Scott. That's a really good prediction. And that's the show. Do you have any predictions? I don't. I don't predict things. I don't. You do. This is why I, I live in your, in your, the glory, in the reflective oh, glory. Yeah. <laughs> Bask in the light. I'll make a little light. prediction. I think the stock market's really going to go crazy. Going to go up. Cra- up. Like crazy and up. Because of the stimulus? Just everything. I just, it just feels everything. like, it feels like savings. Everyone's like, let's open the checkbooks, the ones that have money. Yeah. Uh, and I think you're, you're going to see enormous uh, stock market, right? everything. It's going to be like, it's going to be roaring 20s happening. Yeah. Roaring 20s. That's right. All right. That's the, I don't think that's a, the, that's it's not the most smart, but it's, it's the obvious one. Anyway, that's the show. We'll be back on Tuesday. Go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit your question for the podcast. The link is also in our show notes. Scott, read us out. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis and Camila Salazar. Ernie Intratot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Hannah Rosen and Drew Burrows. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for a breakdown of all things tech and business. Jane Lynch thinks I'm a force. I'm a force. (laughs) I'm having her text you. How about that? Thanks. 